You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Hey everybody, great to continue our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Particularly today is a great great part of that. I guess I always say that because I'm always excited about the Word of God. But also, too, let me just say uh, happy 4th of July, and let me also, happy Independence Day, recognize that probably less of you than normal are watching this on the actual day. Um, so for those of you watching later or listening on the podcast, we welcome you as well. Blessed are the pure in heart is going to be our text today. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, well, just that, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, that sounds like a good thing. They shall see God. Well, I guess some people could see that in a bad way. But um, in this case, Jesus is saying it's a good thing. A friend of mine just had a a heart catheterization. Maybe you've heard of that before. Doctors perform a heart cath when a person's heart is blocked from a pure, right, high enough percentage blood flow. And uh, the pure in heart literally um, have a spiritual catheterization of the heart by grace. That's what we're going to look at today. So Jesus' followers see God more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity, when our hearts are marked by purity. Again, so the theme is, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, there's a lot going on here in that short sentence. But purity of heart is better than pursuing sin or pretending righteousness. Now, it's a heart concern for sure. Remember, we're just a few verses away from talking about um, committing adultery in your heart, right? Jesus actually says uh, a little bit later, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So here, this is something on the... uh, on the, uh, this is something more than on the outside. It's on the inside. It's on the inside. So we're going to see uh, several things as we kind of walk through this passage. I think I think it'll be encouraging and helpful to us as well. So number one, see the beauty of blessing. I love this, right? Jesus followers see God more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity. Jesus is showing the beauty of God's truth, right? It shows us things we wouldn't otherwise see. There's a uh, there's actually a promise to see in this uh, beatitude, uh, but really all the beatitudes are lenses through which we see the world. Let me say it again. All the beatitudes are lenses through which we see the world. We talked last week about mercy and how we want to be inclined to be merciful people. Well, here, uh, the blessing of God helps us to see the beauty of purity. The blessing of God helps us to see the beauty of purity. And if you walk um, together with me through this, I think you'll see better and better and more and more. I want you to watch a video for just a second. Take a look at this uh, video clip. Don't break it. 
colorful than colorblind. Up, I am colorblind. I don't know. Now these are these are special glasses. You can't have been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see color just like we all see. Color. And it came with balloons and all that. Oh my! Goodness. I can put these on. Yeah, it'll. This rocket was supposed to be? It'll like correct, how we all see it. It'll yeah. correct your eyes so that you'll see how it's supposed to see it. It's so clear I can't See the balloon color? <laughs> Papa, look at the hat. Oh not my god. <laughs> it's not pink, is it? That's a good one. I'm a color oh, color. Good. Gosh, that's a good choice, my man. See how the sun goes down in there? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Oh my god. You couldn't see that without it? It was fuzz and haze. It wasn't like a distinct rain. Alright, can, can you imagine how that man felt when he put on those Technicolor glasses on the first time. It was his 66th birthday. He had never seen color before. Now reds, blues, greens came alive just then for the very first time. I think this idea of seeing in color is a good illustration for what happens in the verse that we're looking at this morning. For, for those who uh, walk in step with Jesus, for those who are committed to his ways and his teachings, he gives us these metaphorical glasses, these lenses that allow us to see our world in a whole different, richer, deeper way. So in Matthew 5, 8, Jesus gives us another upside down proverb, right? In order for us to prepare and live in God's kingdom life, a teaching that seems out of sorts until we understand its truth. And hopefully as we walk through this, you've been grabbing a hold of some of the powerful truths that are here. Okay, so it says in the text, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So seeing, hence the video, seeing um, is going to be key for us. And this morning, I want us to consider what it means to be pure and what it means to see God. We continue to examine the Sermon on the Mount, and we learn that the blessed are the pure in heart. I want my life to be blessed, right? You want yours to be, right? So here's how we live that out, right? Jesus says, this is what it's like to be blessed. Jesus' followers see more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity. So let's let's go to our, our, our number two in our outline, right? Number two is we've got to see the priority of purity. The priority of purity. So here's Jesus bringing truth into focus, right? So remember again, Jesus' followers see God more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity. Here Jesus is bringing truth into focus. If you wear glasses, right? You know what it's like to um, need help focusing without them, or if you've never needed glasses, try putting on someone else's glasses and be thankful for the clarity you have without them. So what is the love Jesus, what is the focus Jesus is showing us? That purity matters actually more than activity in some ways. We want to focus our lives on things that are pure. And Paul 
taught us that as well. This is a consistent theme throughout Scripture. Let's take a look. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Listen, whatever is pure, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So there's whatever is pure, think about these things. So what's, back to the Matthew passage, what is Jesus teaching us here, right? In Jesus' day, there were lots of rules and laws about purity, not in the same way, right? We uh, we live in a society that's more focused on the debased and the impure. But then the Pharisees loved to tout how pure they were by following all the rules. And there were purity laws concerning what food you could and could not eat. You got to remember the context here. Purity laws about washing your hands and the pots you cook with. Almost everything had to undergo kind of a ceremonial cleansing in order to be acceptable to God according to the religious leaders. So so um, what's Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about following ceremonial washings and food restrictions? Probably not, because Jesus often rejected the Pharisees' ideas of purity, right? So, so, so remember the story in Mark 7 where Jesus' disciples were actually chided for, it, they were chided for, not walking according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. Okay, so what's going on there is that they're not following those traditions, those purity rituals and rules. So, in fact, he says elsewhere, these people honor me with their hands and then not with their hearts. So Jesus calls his followers to him so they can hear his teaching the teaching that really pushed against the idea of the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, and he, he actually says specifically this, there's nothing outside of a person that's going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Jesus is teaching that purity is not an external thing, right? You don't get uh, impure by being around impure people, for example. Right, a holiness, something we believe in and teach here at Calvary. Holiness is not separation from sinners, it's separation from sin. So here, Jesus is teaching that purity is not an external thing, right? It's not uh, an action that we accomplish by washing our hands or eating certain foods, but that purity is determined by what comes out of, he's applying the words that come out of our mouth. So the idea of purity, um, the idea of purity means the absence of filth or impurity but it also implies singleness of purpose, right? What about the story at the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees for being clean on the outside, but sinful and duplicitous on the inside, right? Really very strong word, very famous phrase actually. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which outward appear beautiful, uh, and but within are full of dead people's people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you know when I was there with my daughter, we were in person a few weeks ago, back with my wife next week. Um, we we walked down to Trinity Church, and you know famous famous um, maybe made famous for people outside of New York City by the movie National Treasure. It turns out there's a whole like thing underneath it, and they had to tell people that wasn't really true. And we saw. Uh, tombs, you know, we saw grave markers, and you can go there and see Alexander Hamilton's right grave marker, and and uh, and and it's nice, and it's marble, and it's fancy, and and I will tell you that his dead body is rotten and wasted away inside of that. So um, Jesus compares 
the Pharisees, and by implication, I think, um, you know, religious people who look good on the outside, says you're like whitewashed tombs, right? Appears beautiful on the outside, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness, right? So what Jesus is calling for is a lifestyle pleases God that lives out in purity. The word pure is actually the Greek term from where we get uh, catheterized. When a person's arteries to their heart have blockage, a doctor performs a heart catheterization. Um, Jesus does this spiritually when he provides salvation by grace and through faith. So again, the root word uh, is where we get the word catheterized, right? So, so if pure in heart is not an external thing of rituals and laws, what is it? What does it mean to be pure in heart? So again, big picture, Jesus' followers see God more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity. So that's going to lead to number three, and where we're going to spend the most the, most of our time today, is to see the depth of the heart. Is to see the depth of the heart. Jesus' followers see God more clearly when, when, when our hearts are marked by purity. When our hearts are marked by purity. So Jesus is showing the depth of this beatitude. Um, depth perception is important when we see things, right? When I was a kid, at Levittown, we would play uh, baseball. I was a terrible baseball player. My father was really wanted me to be a great baseball player. I was a terrible baseball player as a kid. I was always the 12th and 13th in the, in the rotation that ran out. Um, and partly, and later on, a little bit better, but, but, uh, but, but I couldn't see the ball when it was coming so quick. I had my depth perception. I'd struggled to hit the fastball on the baseball diamond, right? So, um, the depth, my depth perception. Well, this is depth. Jesus is, is encouraging, calling his disciples to see deeper than the surface, depth to look at the heart. And I think actually Jesus is um, expounding on a well-known Psalm of David. Now, we're not 100% sure because it's not, um, not a, well, you'll see, you'll see. It's not 100% clear, but I think, and a lot of scholars think that that's the case. Here, here's what it says, right? Um, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord. You see, blessing and the pure heart. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Now, um, here we find that David, not a perfect man. We know of his horrific sin. Uh, more than one occasion, Bathsheba, or more. Uh, but when we take the perspective of viewing his entire life, God actually speaks of him. We see a man who sought that purity of heart. This was true from the time uh, God set him apart as king. It's interesting, Samuel was actually looking at his older brothers to be king when God told uh, Samuel this. He said, um, don't look at the appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Talk about the other brother. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. A man looks in the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart, right? So this is key, right? So um, so we're going to look at this. Jesus' followers see God more clearly when, uh, when our hearts are marked by purity. Now, um, I want to remind us a couple of things here, right? So um, when we look at the idea of purity, we need to understand that... Um, some ways, um, in, in one way, purity is something we receive. I have been justified by God through Christ, right? So um, that's in through, through salvation, right? 
But then, uh, so that's received purity, we'll call it here. It's actually imputed. It's something I receive. It's deposited in me. Uh, but then pursued purity, pursued purity is, um, is actually lived. So received purity is imputed. Pursued purity is lived. Um, some people call it positional purity and personal purity, but I, I like, I want the action to be more evident. So I like it pursued. So we see in that Psalm, right, that um, the ones who will be with God, the ones who will climb his hill and stand in his holy place are the ones with clean hands and a pure heart, the ones who do not chase after false gods or speak out of both sides of their mouth. Essentially, the psalmist is saying that God will bless those who seek him in a wholesome and untainted way. Put another way, I think it's a helpful definition, that the pure at heart has a single focus, and that is focus includes moral purity. An impure heart is one that aims at the affections, uh, the affections towards more than one love. We love God, but we love our stuff. We love God, but we love this person more. A divided heart is an impure heart. So maybe, maybe you've known someone with a one-track mind. Professional athletes have a one-track mind. Focus on doing whatever it takes to perform well. I think of the Olympics, right? Authors sometimes get so carried away writing, they'll rent a cabin and lock themselves up away from distraction for weeks at a time in order to finish their manuscript, right? But we're we're not talking about success in the field or in writing, but in purity. What would it look like to have a one-track mind bent on being pure all the time? In, in essence, it would be a total commitment to God and all his ways. So far too often, Christians want to know how much they can get away with, how close to the line they can go. My, it's funny, my children always seem to know where the line is so they can come right up to it, and one of them in particular to try to cross it. Um, and and so, so, so we all know that. We all sort of know where that is. But having a pure heart, a single-minded devotion to purity, means changing your mindset and outlook on life. No longer do we ask, how far can I go and get away with it? Instead, we're asking ourselves, how close to God can I get? Instead of walking in a gray area of moral ambiguity, walk in the light of moral purity each day. Uh, be intentional, not just accidental about your purity, right? Um, high school and college students, that means making wise choices when your friends pressure you to do things that you know are unpleasing to God. Married people means remaining faithful to your spouse, both in your actions and thoughts. Single adults, that means making decisions about where we prioritize our life and more for all of you. It means spending time reading, memorizing scripture, maybe more time in prayer than on Facebook and Instagram, right? God is, is a father. He rejoices when his children choose to obey, to walk in faithfulness to his ways. So um, Carson puts it this way. Yeah, Carson puts it this way. Um, I like it. Inward sham, deceit, and moral filth cannot coexist with sincere devotion to Christ, end quote. So when we choose to live um, with moral purity to avert, avert our eyes, for example, and it's not just sexual temptation, but certainly is that, avert our eyes from watching movies that we know will tempt us. Um, we're demonstrating a single focused devotion to purity, but we're also pure in our words when we avoid gossip, when we, uh, we're, we're, we're pure in our lifestyle when we choose to, to work, uh, give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, right? Um, you know, what, what happens is uh, those are all devoting ourselves to purity. So as we consider this morning's verse, we talk about purity in this context. Remember, we're talking about single-minded desire to walk in moral purity before God. Okay, so that's key. Remember the verse, right? Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully, 
He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So God is interested in the purity of your heart. Sometimes that's action. Um, sometimes you make mistakes. Uh, but you say, when we know, we say, we say people, they made a mistake, but he's got a good heart. She's got a good heart, right? Or maybe we say he did the right thing, but his heart was not in it. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about uh, the kind of moral purity that our heart is in it. Uh, and this is, you know, think of some of the things in the Bible. We see people all the time who make mistakes, but come back to the Lord. So purity of heart, it's who you are when no one else is looking, right? So, so again, I don't want us to miss that, right? So, so, so we want to, again, see the beautiful purity of heart inside, right? My character, my purity. D.L. Moody used to say, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. Okay, let's go on to number four here. Number four is to see the greatness of God, is to see the greatness of God, right? So they shall see, they will see God, right? So see the greatness of God, they will see God. Now, um, it's interesting because remember, Jesus' followers see God more clearly when our hearts are marked by purity. So um, why why are they who are pure in heart to be blessed, uh, to be fortunate, to be envied, to why do they flourish? Jesus says, because they will see God. So um, what does it mean? What does it exactly mean to see God? Um, now, what does he mean when he says, um, you know, those who are pure in heart will see God? So here, I think Jesus shows us um, the panoramic view of God. Those with a pure heart will see God with a wider view, understanding his vastness, amazing grace, and great power. They're going to put on those lenses and say, wow, because purity enables me to see him more clearly. Sometimes our view of God is small, making him less than he is. We see God through a pure heart. We see how great he is, right? Uh, by this, I don't think Jesus means that we will see God with our eyes, right? Uh, actually, Jesus teaches us in John's gospel that God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We also know that God's not seeable from other biblical texts. Actually, on Mount Sinai, God tells Moses directly, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Uh, the Apostle John in John 1 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side, uh, who, who has made him known. So if the pure in heart can actually see, by what means do they see? So I think the pure in heart are able to see God in a couple of key ways that I think are beautiful and powerful. First, because the work of purity in their own lives, they are able to see God at work in their own hearts. They see him like a 66-year-old man sees colors for the first time when he puts on those glasses. But seeing God in this capacity doesn't mean actually seeing him like you see, like there's God and he's you know got this bodily shape. No, no, no. God reveals himself to his children through strengthening their faith. It means to see his vastness, his character, his attributes, and his work more clearly. Right, so we know who God is. I love this. There's this book, Everyday Church. There's a helpful overview that can help us to see God more clearly. Right, and 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 in in the book, um, they they talk about God as God is great. We don't have to be in control. Right, we're all control freaks. Seeing God is great helps us to relinquish control. We see that God is glorious. God is glorious. We don't have to fear others. Right, fear of man's a plague. Seeing the glory of God makes the fear of man fade. God is good. God is good. We can see him clearly. We don't have to look elsewhere. Sin is a poor substitute for the promises of God. 
We can believe God is good and wants our best. God is gracious. God is gracious. We don't have to prove ourselves. Our life's focus is on a performance, but I'm worshiping the God of grace. So do we see God like this? Um, I think that's the key. You know, where you're out in nature, do you see God as creator and the beauty you observe? Probably. Maybe when you hold a child or a grandchild, do you see the wisdom of God creating the church as a family or um, you know, the community that's there? When you see the work of art, do you see it as only the person's hands? Or do you step back and wonder that God would give us such a capacity for creativity? Um, you know, we see that people of different backgrounds, races, and ethnicities, and you know that forever, men and women from every tongue, tribe, and nation, do you marvel at the image of God in each person? When you read the Bible, do you see the rules only, or do you see the love and care of God in the pages you read? When you struggle with sin, do you see only your effort, or do you rejoice that Jesus paid for your sin? The Spirit helps you to war, wage war against it, right? So that's the picture we see, and it's a beautiful picture. Remember Moses in the Old Testament. So Moses is this, of course, you know, well-known character and leader. Um, he grew up educated in Pharaoh's house, but seeing the plight of his people, it says this, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid. For the, of the anger for the king, but he endured seeing him who is invisible. Listen, this is the reward, right? The flourishing of a pure heart. But the flourishing of a pure heart. To live a life of abandon, not in pursuit of riches or fame or success, but in pleasing God. Moses gave up the wealth and sinful pleasure of Egypt for the pursuit of Christ, looking for the internal reward. So again, those who are pure are the ones who get up close to God. They don't do it by their own effort, but because Jesus made a way to see God by his provision, right? Uh, we're talking about in that relationship, we can see now more clearly. So it's that single-minded devotion. So I, I pray that I see God more clearly and you see my God clearly. I, I pray that, um, you know, I, I see God in my changed life as I pursue purity. I, I see God in the destructive matter, marriage patterns that Don and I both inherited, but now I'm pursuing purity and it creates a different life. I see God in a deeper spiritual life of people who chase after God with all their hearts. I see him in the joy, in their joy and their strength. When I'm pure in heart, I see God. So now here's the thing. Um, it's kind of two kinds of seeing. And, um, you know, there's seeing through the blurred lenses of an impure life that's marked us or through purity, through purity that comes in Christ. Remember too, that you're not going to get pure on your own, received purity is imputed, right? We'll, we receive that by grace and through faith. And then pursued purity, we pursue it, is lived. We live that purity, right? So, and, and I think that's the key for, for all of us is to live in that purity. So two closing questions. First, have you received purity, forgiveness, and righteousness from God? You can receive it by grace and through faith about beginning a relationship with God. But second, are you pursuing purity, seeking to honor God in your heart and your life? I'm very excited that next week we're going to be together in person. You're going to get to meet Donna, my wife as well. Um, we're going to continue our study through the book of Matthew here, the Beatitudes. But I really want to encourage you to take a moment with me to pray and ask for God to work that purity in our lives for his glory. Father, that's my prayer today, Lord, that you might indeed 
work a life of purity in us and through us and for us. We might receive the cleansing that comes. We know if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I also pray that we pursue that. We receive that purity from all followers of Jesus, but those who have received that purity, we then pursue that purity in our lives. So that like a man who's never seen color before, we can see God in all the glory and goodness that he is, Lord. Shape our lives. Make us more like you. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. If you feel led to give toward the local, national, and global ministries of Calvary Baptist, please visit cbcnyc.org slash give or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.